I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Players Championship. Joining me to break it all down, Kyle Porter is here. KP took an extra day, but we've made it. We have crowned a new Players Champion. We have. I was just, uh, before you jumped on, producer Jacob and I were talking, was this a, was this a good tournament? Was it a, I mean, and this is kind of what I wrote afterwards. It was, the whole week was chaotic, right? From Thursday morning until Monday evening, it was chaos. And it felt like the ending we got was sort of representative of that, emblematic of that. It, it, It sort of served as this, um, like prism through which to see the event because you had two hours before it ended rick you had 24 guys at six seven eight or nine under yep and that and that's a little bit what the if you if you were to describe the whole week based on like a golf statement that's what the whole week felt like and the ending was great we have a ton to talk about but yeah i i don't I don't I don't leave the tournament feeling like I did when uh say Ricky won or Rory won or JT won, but there's still a, a ton of takeaways and a ton of of storylines that we're gonna discuss. Yeah, I think it was a good a great great tournament. You got um of course half the field got wiped out because of the weather. That stinks, but you mentioned it. You got a ton of different guys who could have won on a stretch of the golf course, 16, 17, 18, which is going to decide the golf tournament. And it did. And you got a deserving winner, the 10th ranked player in the world, who's going to move up to the sixth ranked player in the world. So yes, I think uh, that checks off all the boxes for me. I think Cam Smith is, and we can just jump into it if you want to. I think uh, he's one second before we jump too deep into it. So okay. hold on, let me get this out of the way. <laughs> Could you describe this week as madness, Kyle? Because March Madness is upon us, and you can now join our bracket group. I've already put my bracket in. I'm not going to tell you who I picked to win it all, but my bracket is now live. Go to cbssports.com slash first cut bracket, compete against myself and coach and Sia and Greg and Mark and KP. And the winner is going to get a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus and start creating some groups, start creating some contests between you and your friends. You can win a chance to the 2023 final four. Again, cbssports.com slash first cut bracket. All right, KP. Now 
Now we can jump into all Cam Smith, the Aussie 66 in his final round, 13 under par adds the biggest stamp to his resume. Yeah. And I think my big takeaway from Cam Smith, I mean, first of all, he's, he's awesome. I mean, I was listening to, uh, to the no lane up guys on Saturday or Sunday. And they were talking about how like his, and I haven't seen a lot of Cam Smith in person. I saw him at the 2020 masters a little bit. But his short game in person is just absolutely filthy, like mm-hmm. just just disgusting, like Patrick Reed, like like maybe even better than than what his short game is. And the thing that I was thinking about with Cam Smith, he's so different than the rest of your top ten players. Everybody in the top ten looks the same. They hit it three thirty. Um, they hit these like massive towering uh, long irons Mm -hmm. and they have pretty good short games, right? Like they can put it a little, they can wedge it a little. It's just, it's, it's the, it's the modern like track man, Dustin Johnson player. And Cam Smith's not like that. He, he was like almost last in the field and driving this week. (laughs) And he wins the tournament because his short game is, gross i mean he 13 one putts on sunday or monday what the final round whatever day we're in uh eight of nine uh on the back nine he one putted with three three and a half million dollars on the line i mean that's i think i think there's something to be celebrated in there that is not just like he he's just different like he has a different look he he kind of has a different like vibe and style and then his actual game is very different than all these other guys that we talk about. And I love that because I think variety makes sports and, and specifically our sport super interesting. It's like, it's like if, if Reed didn't have all the baggage, Reed would be like super fun to root for. And that's kind of Cam Smith a little bit, I think. Yeah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the top 25 players and how they gain their strokes, and 22 of them are ball-striking guys, and Cam Smith is the best guy who doesn't do it in that way. He does it with the short game, 11 and a half strokes, gains putting over the course of the week, the most of any player ever at TPC Sawgrass, or at least in the shot link era. And KP, I was watching a short game, and there's, um, I don't know who said it, it was a couple of months ago, but they described Louis Oosthuizen's swing as a door opening and a door closing. That I think it fair, was fairly. Fair, yeah. Okay, which to me just says it's so efficient. There's no wasted movement. Like that's when he said that, that is the the adjectives that I put on it. And that's how I feel about Cam Smith's short game. He is just always in control. I, there's never a shot that I'm like, oh, this might be too tough for him. And then he gets himself to five or six feet for par. And you know, it's going in the bottom of the cup. It's just so reliable. I, I love to watch it. Yeah. And Justin Thomas talked about this somewhere. Uh, it was an, I can't, it might've been annoying up interview. It might've been a transcript. I don't know where he talked about this, but he talked about how when you go to a major championship and your short game is as like as on point as it as it can possibly be, it just frees you up to do to try anything you want because you're like, well, normally like if my short game is mediocre, and I mean we'll talk about Victor Hovland. If my short game is mediocre, I I, I shouldn't hit that shot because I can't get up and down from there. But when my short game is on point, like Cam Smith seemingly always is. You can hit any shot you want because you have the confidence. You're not you're not always going to get up and down from anywhere. 
but you know that you can. And it just, it, it, it almost is like working backwards to where it frees up uh, his, his iron play, which was really good. The, the shot he hit in the 16 was sick. I mean, that was in that moment for what he needed was so, so good. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that to me is, is the big thing is like, the confidence that you have when your short game is that good that you're like, I can get up and down from anywhere on the planet. It, it, yeah. it just, it, it makes you such a better player from T to green. That's the opposite of the guys who know they're not good putters and it puts a lot of stress on their approach play to hit everything to three feet. When you know you can roll the rock and you know you can get up and down, you are able to kind of freewheel it on some of those iron shots. He's just the opposite. You're right. He's basically the opposite of the modern Keegan, player but he's still packing wins yeah exactly he's like the anti-keegan bradley right she's oh man was in the mix i i can't who, believe who was the most okay th- i was thinking about this who which guy when you saw their name in the top 10 like on the first page of the board were you like what like how, i didn't even know he was in the tournament um so it's funny it would have been Sepp Straka if we didn't talk about him every single week but like that's like the guy for most people who outside of the first cup podcast if when they saw Sepp Straka making a run they probably had that reaction yeah mine was Adam Hadwin he got to like t4 mm-hmm. and I'm going what I didn't I didn't know he made the cut was in the tournament was still on tour I'm kidding I knew he was on tour but it, that was that was a stunner for me it just it you know, Cam Smith was very much the through line, though, because like he starts off hot four birdies in a row and then you get all bunched up with all these guys and then he kind of emerges from the other side of it. And he was like the consistent through line throughout. So, uh, you know, it was it was, a, you know, it was a tournament that I think we could have gotten like a whatever no name winner or kind of like a, a low ranked player. Like sometimes we see at the players and Cam Smith and Sam Burns were kind of the guys that could um, save that, if you will. And, and he just went out and did it. I think that's the most impressive thing. He, he won from out in front in Kapalua. He came from behind a little bit behind, not too far behind, but he came from behind here and he just went out and he just seems to like stay in his own world and not really get, like too rattled by anything else that's going on. I I think that's a really impressive trait. Let's talk about him being rattled or at least the chance to get rattled. The final three holes. Let's start with 16 here. KP. He just duck hooks one dead left. Uh, The official shot tracker had 179 yards to unknown. I might have to change names of of my podcast. 179 (laughs) yards. uh, Not, not quite. 300 he punches out then he hits that great shot from you know 238 yards away to kind of the middle of the green almost rolls that in from 48 feet but like he didn't he didn't take advantage of 16 a hole that a lot of guys were but to to get out of there with a par after being in prison on your tee shot in a moment when this championship was still very much up for grabs well the thing the thing i think about camp smith is he he makes um uh, he makes really like decisive decisions, mm-hmm. right? Think about, remember Memphis last year when he tried to hit that, uh, 
that ridiculous window on 18 when he was in the do you remember this it was was that was, the one where the camera guy where they were like where's the what yeah where's the window yes. what what where's yeah. he looking i don't know where that, he's looking that's when uh <laughs> that's when a banser went on to win but cam smith even on and we'll talk about 18 in a second but he just he's just like okay this is my decision this is what i'm doing and there's no hemming and hawing and trading clubs and do you, you know like he 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 saw the window out of the woods he hit it he stepped up and said this is the shot i have to hit on, into the green on 16 i'm not going at the pin but i'm not going to just like fluff it out there to the to like you know just kind of hit a weak like stay away from the water shot because that brings trouble into play cuz you're you're pitching you might be on a downslope again like going like toward the water that's not good and so he just hits he just is decisive about those shots and i would argue that on the last three holes of TPC Sawgrass, like that's what you just need to be decisive. Now, 17, I guess we can talk about that. That was a, <laughs> I mean, that was, they should have just given him the whole purse for that line that he took, but he was decisive. He said, I'm going over the bunker. Yeah. And, and I pushed it a little and that, that was the result. And, you know, maybe a couple of times that ball goes in the water, but he's still, he's not indecisive about like what's in front of him. And I think that is paramount when you're leading a golf tournament and when you're uncomfortable and when you've got that much money and that, that big of a, a of a trophy on the line. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I like that. I like the decisiveness and, and Jacob, if you're watching on YouTube, he's showing uh, the line that camp Smith took on 17. It's the Ricky Fowler line, the traditional Sunday pin in that tucked in that right hand corner. Ricky and thank, thank you, you much. That is uh, the line that he ended up taking KP wasn't over the bunker it was right of that i'm glad he admitted that he pushed it because some guys would be like no nah, no nah, that was the plan just hit it four feet right of the stick where i only have eight feet of wiggle room i think the difference i think a couple of those fowler actually was trying to hit it there maybe not <laughs> i i do because if they were like six holes into the playoff he's like i want to end this thing you know and cam smith was was definitely not but he walked it off like he was, which I think that's half the half the deal. He made it look awesome. And it it was I mean, it ended the tournament, essentially. Yeah, almost did not. But yes, it did. And I'm glad you got to make the putt, right? Like if you take the right hand side of the pin to four and a half feet and you don't make the putt, it's it's a lot of risk for nothing. But yeah, that was the moment where we probably probably could have got Vince Carter dot gif. I mean, it was three shots clear things would things would tighten up. But this was this will be the replay that you see every year talking about Cam Smith's victory and adding to the compilation of shots into 17. Here it is. This is the highlight. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. And, uh, you know, I really thought with how sensibly he was playing, I just thought he would I, I didn't even think he would aim for the bunker. I thought he'd kind of go middle of the green, take his two putt. And it turned out he actually needed this this two for the win, right? With with how he played eighteen, <laughs> yes, with how he played eighteen, he he needed it. So he kind of like accidentally, you know, birdied his way on seventeen into into victory. But uh, yeah, it, you know, I I don't I don't know that that's the shot. It will be. You're right. It will be the shot that's that's shown in the future the the gold man will be that he'll be hitting that shot for cam smith i don't know that that's is the he now one. he's now a man you've graduated him from gold boy to gold man gold boy whatever he is <laughs> uh i don't know that that's the one i i just i 
that to me was like, it's not even what he was really trying to do. Like uh, so much of the other stuff that happened in his final round was more meaningful, even though this was a bigger highlight and more dramatic. Um, even yeah. the up and down on 18. I mean, that's that to phenomenal. me, that phenomenal. to me is like, that is what I'll remember as him like getting up and down from just all over the yard when he had to have it. Yeah, so he gets the 18, three clear, and he gives us the don't go left swing, something he'd already done earlier in the week. He'd, he'd gone into the water on that tee shot, and he sprays it into the pine needles. And KP, you know, this is your kind of three-shot lead. Just punch this bad boy out, get it back in the fairway. No worries. Not so much. Kind of well, gives this- us a little draw side spin into the water, and now things are getting interesting. Yeah, this reminded me of the Memphis thing because this is when – this was kind of the side of the fairway that he was in and out of the trees. And I don't, I don't know what he was doing. He had a quote on it afterwards. He said, uh, uh, he said, he said said it was probably the right decision. The shot was pretty poor. I thought it was going to come out a bit soft and a bit tumbly and just come out really good. And then it ran through into the water. I, I guess I understand why he would think that with how much water they got there, but you, I just don't know that you can even come close to that water like aren't you just punching at like just i I don't know i mean even if he goes sideways he can miss the green and get up and down and still win this thing fairly handily the only thing you cannot do is hit this low little spinner that rolls into the water yeah by the way it's hailing here in dallas so is that what that noise is yeah can you hear it yeah wow is that is that a is that a is that worrisome? I mean, it's not. It doesn't feel great. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play through it. But okay, um, let us know if you have to if we have to blow the horn or something. <laughs> Get Slugger out here and uh, yeah, no, it, it was not it was not ideal. But again, like you know, I I do wonder what what you're thinking. Like, is he thinking okay? Of course, he's not thinking I'm trying to hit this in the water, but is he in the back of his mind? Is he like, if I do hit this in the water, I can get up and down from 55, 60, 65 yards. No problem. This is a pretty easy pin. It's a little bit of a funnel down there. Um, That's not a super tough angle from from where you'd be hitting from. I I don't know. Like, is that does that going on in the back of his head? And is that a good thing to be going on in the back of his head at that moment? If that's going on in the back of his head, I'm even more impressed. If he's just like chalking it up to a, I can get up and down from 58 yards for $3.6 million, no problem. Good on you, young man, because that is that is some supreme confidence. But why wouldn't you think that after the way you'd played all day? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not, saying, happens. I'm not saying it's at the forefront. And again, it was a <laughs> terrible shot. Like you can't you can't bring that into play. But at the same time, it's like that's a little bit of what I'm saying is like you can you can try to do some stuff when you've got that short game because you you have the confidence that you are going to get up and down from anywhere. And and maybe that can get you into trouble at times. And that might be one of the times where your caddy is like, hey, bro, like I know you have the best short game on the planet, but don't don't do this. What the box score, so to speak, won't show about this is that while this is happening, Honor Bon Lahiri behind him has birdied 17. So we have gone from a situation of three shots clear on the 18th tee to walking down to drop this ball in the fairway. And now you are only or you have to get up and down to to basically, you know, give yourself a chance at this and not let 
honor bond, make par on 18 to send this to a playoff. So just in that one shot and in that moment, the, the, the script has flipped a bit here. Totally. And he didn't know it, right? I would imagine in real time, he probably did not know it. Well, I don't, I, yeah, I guess I don't know when, who knows? I, I don't know if he did or not. The shot that Honor Vaughn hit into 17 is the shot that Cam Smith was trying to hit into 17, right? Correct. Where it, it's just over the bunker, it feeds down, and you've got, I don't know, what, 12, 12 feet, 14 feet for birdie? Yeah. Uh, how impressive was, was Honor Vaughn all day? Um, he was nails, dude. I he mean, was, listen. He was awesome. Yeah, he was he was awesome. We're, we're, we'll we'll get to him in a second. So so this picked clean shot that Cam Smith hits into 18 from 58 yards almost spins it back into the cup to three feet two inches. Uh, you're probably right. That's not the highlight. It's probably not what they're going to show because up and down for bogeys not as sexy as stuffing it to the right <laughs> side of the pin on the island green signature hole. So we're not going to see this often, but I that's what I will remember because yeah. he the door the door creaked open and and then he reshut it right there yeah and that was what he did all day i mean i i can't think of you know most of it was with the putter he 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 didn't flash i mean i'm trying to think was it 12 where he had i can't remember there's another spot he got up and down from that was just sick uh it might have been 12 no nah, 12 he hit it to 12 oh sorry i'm looking at the wrong one 12 he well 12 is the drivable so yeah, he hit one from like uh let's see. Yeah, from yeah, kind of the 30, right rough and then he stuffed it to like three feet. Thirty-six yards to three feet. And and he yeah. just it's <laughs> I mean, I think he was on a down slope. He's 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 nasty. I mean, it's it's so good and it's so different. Like I when I think of the last couple of guys that have won this, you think about Rory winning this, and you're like, okay, the driver, <clears throat> um, he can have good putting weeks. I, I I can't imagine him doing what Cam Smith did, getting up and down from 60 yards to three feet to to make a, a five to win the tournament. Cam Smith is so different than him. Justin Thomas, you think about how he wanted it. It's all these shot shapes, unbelievable iron play. I think he gained like 12 strokes with his iron or uh, on approach shots alone on the weekend last year. And again, that's Cam Smith's a good iron player, but it, it's so different than that. And it's just it's such a fun version of golf to watch that we don't we don't get a lot of at this level because you have to be so good at it to make up for your deficiencies uh, either off the tee or from tee to green. And uh, I don't know, it just it, it makes it a ton of fun. $3.6 million is the payday for Cam Smith. He will probably not be looking for a new job anytime soon. But if you're looking to hire, LinkedIn is the place to be. 2022 is looking up. New beginnings means new opportunities to grow your business. And if part of your strategy is adding new members to the team, LinkedIn jobs finds the right person quickly. And to make th things even better, your first job post is free free uh linkedin jobs is how i got hired kp here that's how jacob found me did you know that is it really because linkedin is an active community of professionals with more than 722 million members worldwide you can manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar linkedin.com as it functions now as a streamlined dashboard onto one simple screen you can do it all from your mobile device so when you're ready to make that next hire 
Find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash first. Again, that's linkedin.com slash first to post a job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Honor Bon Lahiri. Uh, I would assess his final round performance as nails. You technically don't sleep on the 54 hole lead, but he did go to bed with 20 some odd holes to go leading the player's championship. He shot a three under 69. He stuffed one into 17, made the putt and then the drive on 18 KP big boy drive. Yeah, it was sick. I called it the autobahn because there was no speed limit on that drive. Uh, What did he went? uh, I've got it here. Well, it was only 281. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just looked at it too. (laughs) It felt longer than that, though. It looked like 381. (laughs) I mean, he played so well. The double on eight was just that was a horrible tee shot. And he's dropping with by the picnic tables. And that was a that was a normal sport moment. But uh, it, it, it's somebody on the broadcast said this. I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been, I don't know, somebody on Golf Channel said it. it's stars and then it's like underdog stories, right? You, you come for the stars, you come for the 322nd ranked player in the world winning the Players' Championship. And we almost got it. I mean, we almost got that on – He. I mean, he was – Four inches from sending it to a playoff on 18 on on uh, in, in the final round. So I just I was rooting for him. He had that great quote on Tuesday or Wednesday, which feels like it was like five weeks ago, uh, talking about how like you're one week away from Augusta. You're one week away from changing your entire career. And then he almost went out and won the freaking tournament. It, it was it was just. He was very, very easy to root for, and uh, he, he's another guy. He did, he just didn't seem rattled by everything. I don't know if that's because it was a, a Monday finish and you didn't have kind of the fanfare that you would normally have, that buzz that you would normally have on a Sunday at the Players Championship. But he he was just he was locked in, and I, I was definitely of all the I was watching with my son, and we were both rooting for him to win just because it would have been such a cool story. Yeah, it would have been. I've got a couple of thoughts here, but Jacob, do we have the tour cast from Honor Bon on, on number eight here? Yeah, look at this. Boom. He is literally hitting from a picnic table yeah. over there. It's The graphics have it, and they don't even give him enough credit because he didn't go through these trees, KP. He went over these trees, didn't he? Well, he yeah, and the, the, the patrons over there that were eating their little, you know sandwiches or wraps or salads or whatever they were they didn't want to move i was like what are you what, what are you guys doing you got to get out of the way uh yeah they did not care at all they literally thought like i don't know what they thought was going to happen but they were just tucking their nappies into their collars and having a nice beautiful little monday lunch yeah a little little tea some maybe egg salad sandwiches i don't know what was going on over there but <laughs> He, you know, he, this was his, I think this was his only uh bogey or double of the day and it ended up costing him the tournament. He just, he had so many opportunities to kick it away. I don't, I don't know how many, well, I've got it right here. He made a 14 foot putt on 11. That was for Eagle. He made a 13 foot putt on 17, but he made all these like four, five, six, seven footers for par to keep himself in it. It just, 
you're not supposed to do that if you're the 322nd ranked player in the world. And you know what Sebastian Munoz did, <laughs> I don't even know where he finished, but yeah. uh, the way he started is Munoz was, oh, he shot a 77. Yeah, that, That's a little bit of what I think you would expect from Lahiri, right? Big moment, never won a tournament like this, never really contended for a tournament like this. I think he's got one top 10 at a major. Um, you don't expect him to go out and put up a, a 69 with an eagle and to give himself a chance to win on the 72nd hole. I, I just, I walked away really, really impressed by what he did. He had a chip at it and it finished, you know, a couple inches short. He said, I hit a really good chip and he actually, there was so much good stuff that came out of his post round presser. He was surprised himself about how he didn't, I don't think he said comfortable, but how he wasn't as nervous as he thought. But the thing that stood out to me, KP, he literally pulled out his phone and he had a note written in his phone about his stats from the Honda classic. Did you see this? Yeah, but I didn't, (laughs) I, 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 I briefly saw it. Okay, so I don't have the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of he was looking at his stats from the Honda Classic and he was top 20 off the tee, top 20 around the green, top 20 in putting and like dead last in approach. So I I looked up his stats, gained a stroke and a half off the tee, gained three and a half around the green, gained over three with the putter, lost eight on approach for the week. So he said his only goal, his only goal for the Players' Championship was to improve his iron play. Well, gained four strokes on approach over the course of the week. He was one of the better ball strikers. That mission was certainly accomplished. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, he it, Sunday was not as good ball striking, but he held it together with a short game. You know, he did, he, he pulled a Cam Smith. So, uh, you know, Lahiri is somebody who you're going to have – three weeks like this in your career. I would just look it up. He finished T five at the 2015 PGA. That was the, uh, the Jason day at whistling straights one. Hmm. Uh, so you're going to have that week. You're going to have a week like this. You're going to have maybe one or two others. And you love to see guys like that win in those weeks. Cause you know, there's only they, there's an allotment of them. You don't get, you know, a Rory number or a John Rom number where it's like, Oh, you got 50 of them. You know, you'll probably hit on a few. Um, on Ravon Lahiri m- might never have a week like that again. So that that's part of why I think I was, I was rooting for him kind of coming home on, on Monday. The other big name that coming down the stretch had a chance to add a statement win to the resume was give me Paul Casey. Give me Paul Casey. Give me Paul Casey. There you go. Paul yeah. Casey finished two shots back KP. The moment that we will remember from this is the, the ball mark, the, 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 the crappy situation he got into on 16. Yeah, ball landed in a pitch mark, not his own pitch mark. Shout out Patrick Reed at, at Torrey Pines last year, but actually shout out Rory at Torrey Pines last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it landed in somebody else's pitch mark. And I just, Paul Casey is a little Xandery to me in that, like, just, just win one, you know, just go like, like he, he's the best guy in, like from T like just pure golf. Like he's the best guy up there. And I feel like there's just not a lot of like, let's go get this baby. You know, like he just, I, I, does he have that in him? Have we seen it? Mm. No, yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I can't I, think of a moment. 
Yeah, and I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look at his numbers on. Uh, so Sunday, he, yeah, he didn't, he didn't hit the. Well, nobody at the top really hit the ball that well. Um, yeah, he was okay. Yeah, he was fine. He was, but he fine was, on Sunday at the or Monday. So, fine on the final round of the Players Championship doesn't usually win it. Yeah, it just it just feels like in big moments in big tournaments, if you're as good as Paul Casey or as I believe that Paul Casey actually is, he just he didn't have. He, he, I feel like he's never had the Cam Smith thing where it's like I'm gonna go win this. I'm gonna go hit every shot, get up and down from everywhere, make everything I look at. I'm winning this week, and I should probably look at some of his numbers to see if I can back that up. But that's when I watch him. That's what it feels like to me. Do you think that if Rory McIlroy one shot back or whatever on 16 at the Players' Championship, if his ball in the middle of the fairway rolls into someone else's pitch mark, that by this time next year we would have a different rule? Hold on real quick. Let me me figure this out. Okay, going into going into final rounds this is Paul Casey from uh, 2004 to 2022. Going into the final round of events uh, in which he was in the top five, mm-hmm. his expected wins going in were 12. So 12, <laughs> 12? expected. Yeah, he's been in the top five like 50 times. times. Yeah, I mean, okay. a, a bunch. So expected wins 12, and this is on data golf. Given how he played, it drops to seven. Eesh. That's so not play good. alone loses you five wins to expectation. Five expected wins. His actual wins is 10 in that time. So that's a bunch of European tour stuff also. But I, I think that's a little bit of what I'm getting at. If you stay like level or maybe drop a little or go up a little, um, that's fine. But you're drop I mean, you're dropping that much, almost half of like your expected wins. That's not Stop. good. And and that kind of backs up the way that I feel about Paul Casey. Um nah, I don't know. I don't I don't think they would change the rule just because it was Rory. It would probably help. I think it's uh I I think they should change it. Like if we're if we're talking about if Brandel and, and Paul McGinley are yelling about or Brandel, I guess, is yelling about how the seventeenth hole is unfair on Saturday, which I actually I think fundamentally I kind of agree with him, but I don't know that you can change like all these things for one freak day out of 10 years, mm-hmm. but the, the rolling into a pitch mark or a divot that's like happens way more often. And it's just as unfair, right? It, ju- it creates just as much unfairness. I, I think that's an easy rule change. It's objectively unfair and I'm not, I don't really care. I'm not the fair police. I don't really care about the waves and the wet. Like I don't, I saw some tweets that were like, well, what if we just take the top 33 players from each wave to make the cut? I was like, that's crazy. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. That's crazy. But like, I'm not that far into fairness here, but this is, it's just inconsistent. You know, they can tamp down spike marks. They can uh, remove imperfections on the greens kind of with their putter because they want to allow golfers to play in the same conditions throughout the day. That's not what Paul Casey was granted in the middle of the fairway. Freaking uh, Zach Johnson can take a practice swing. Hit hit his ball 40 yards and just put it back on the tee. 
this bothers me because the it, okay, so so the I think the argument is like, well, it's about intent, right? He didn't intend to drive the ball. Well, when when and this is the one I brought up on Twitter. If when Maverick McNeely grounds his club behind his ball at Pebble, and the ball rotates like two millimeters, he didn't intend to like move that ball. Like right. I, I I don't understand. And if you want to leave that as the rule and and make the Zach Johnson thing like a live ball, then do that. That's fine. But th- they're they're not equivalent. Like they don't. It doesn't match up. It doesn't add up. And that to me is like there there's. And I think this is what you're getting at. There's all these inconsistencies throughout. Just because it feels like the rule book has kind of been piecemealed together over the last 150 years. For sure. And they also, we, we do play, it's weird, right? Because they almost want pros and amateurs playing by the same rules, which is not, to me, that does, that does not have to happen. The pros can play by any number of rules that they want that the amateurs do not. The other thing is people will always say, well, um, how do you know if it's a divot in the fairway? What if it's mostly grown back? And my answer is always, if you have to ask, it's a divot. And you get your relief. You don't get to clean your ball. You pick it up with two fingers. You move it three centimeters to the right or three centimeters to the left. And no one has gotten an advantage and no one has gotten a disadvantage. Make you the rules are. Thank you. Which, by the way, like the, the, the pros and amateurs playing the same rules. What are we doing? Like it's, I heard somebody talking about this. Um, I can't remember where or who said it, but they they were they were like, listen, like PGA Tour golf is a is like a different sport than what Rick and Kyle are doing on a Friday, for sure. It's not even like like we're playing like we're doing the same motions with the same equipment or whatever, but it's like different like worlds. It's like a di- like not even like how good they are versus how good we are, but like the way everything happens and all of that, like. I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm tired of the, oh, it's, it's got to be like this. Charlie Hoffman was talking about the, well, you know, the country club rules or whatever. And it's like, well, what, what are like, we're talking about like just totally different things. And this is the argument for like, I don't know why we're talking about rolling the equipment back after the players championship, but like you're already playing a different sport. Just roll the ball back, roll the equipment back. It's not going to affect. I'm still going to buy your Callaway tailor-made Titleist driver. I got to get all the companies in there in case they want to sponsor us at some <laughs> point. Right. Good call. Uh, Strixon, Wilson. PXG. PXG, <laughs> Ping. Uh, just, I, I don't know. That It makes me crazy. Like it just seems so, it seems so dumb that we have to like keep everything like lined up for both pros and amateurs we're already playing different sports like just change it just change it that's our new motto around here speaking of rules little bit of a uh kerfuffle yeah yeah it was great db was not necessarily straight vibing when he (laughs) hit his water his ball into the water on 16 and walked to where he thought he should get a drop Kyle and uh, quickly Victor Hovland and Joel Damon did not necessarily agree where Berger was attempting to take the drop. If you have not gone back or now it's actually on Twitter, I believe PGA tour live tweeted out the full exchange here. 
it is a fascinating exchange between three golfers trying to decide where Berger should drop. And two of them are in agreement with one another and Berger does not agree. No, he does not. And I didn't, you, I think you went back and watched it. Yes. I a did couple not. Times. <laughs> and I, 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 so I don't know where it crossed. I don't know what happened. All I know is that if Victor Hovland is confronting me about something, then whatever he says goes because that dude is not going to be confronting. I mean, it, it, I just, he gets all the benefit of the doubt in that situation, right? 1 million percent as, as a, a Victor, a friend, he is, he, there is no chance in the world. He is trying to pull anything. He is the most honorable guy. If he was even, 99% sure he'd be like, ah, you know what? Maybe Daniel, maybe you are right. If he is adamantly standing up for this, as he described after his round protecting the field, I'm positive. He's right. Yeah. And I don't know that Berger was trying to like get away with something, but it, he did do I. Yeah. I, I think it's just, I don't know. It, it's, it's like, it's super fun because of the content that it creates for Twitter and for us to talk about, I don't really, I, I think stuff like that probably happens um, not often, but I think it happens and it's just not that big of a deal. Like guys get into it over that and then you kind of move on. Like somebody was talking about, oh, the, the handshakes afterwards. I went back and watched their handshakes. It wasn't like they weren't bro hugging, but it, it was fine. Like I, it didn't seem like there was like, oh, well, now Hovland and Berger hate each other. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get that feeling. I, I think it was just like, Hey, we disagree on this. Maybe we had different angles on it. I don't know, but um, I don't know. It just didn't seem like that big of a deal. Berger also kind of walked it back afterwards. He said, I think we ended up getting the right spot, which I, I believe they ended up getting the right spot. I think it was kind of a heat of the moment, a lot on the line. He just dumped one in the water on a par five. And I think there was some competitive juices flowing out there. And when, when everybody got back in and settled down, I think they figured out they got it in the right spot. What, what was the yardage differential? Was it like, 30 yards, 60 I, yards. I think it was like 60 <clears throat> yards. Yeah. And I think they eventually got it in the right spot. If you go back, it's obviously hard to tell with the shot tracer and all that stuff. And it's not perfect, but I think they got the right spot. I think Berger was about 50 yards up. Um, so yeah. And I, I think that's the difference. It was. Yeah. It's golf is <laughs> you're trying to tell like where this ball crossed like a line not from under or overhead but from like straight on it's just, it's ridiculous like it's so difficult to do there was a moment if you have a chance to go back and watch so joel damon and, and victor hovland agree on on kind of where this went out daniel berger obviously does it so as soon as the topic is broached i cannot make out what daniel says but he says something that it feels a little bit snappy because you see victor immediately go like <sighs> and joel damon's like Oh God, this is going to be like a thing. Like, like we're about to get, like, we're about to get into this here. Uh, yeah. Like it's immediately right out of the gate. Like, Oh boy, we're about to have a moment. And, and they did. But it reminded me of when Berger did that to read at, uh, was that at, uh, Harbor town? Well, I don't know where it was, but where he walked like 80 yards to make sure that, that Patrick Reed was, uh, finding his ball and it, hitting it correctly. It's like, who, who watches the watchers, right? Like who, who's watching, who's watching the watchers? Well, it's Victor Hovland and Joel Damon. That's right. And I trust both of those guys with my life. Um, 
speaking of Victor Hovland, he broke his young career record in strokes gained ball striking. That's off the T plus approach helps that he had an ace early on Monday, which would have been in the conclusion of his third round. He then proceeded to pick up Kevin Streelman. That's kind of a different story here, but uh, Victor Hovland very clearly one of the game's best ball strikers KP, but the short game troubles as Andy Johnson puts it kind of the difference between wins and high finishes. Andy points out that he was two of nine in scrambling in the final rounds over the last two weeks. And, um, you know, just a couple of shots in either direction. And it might be a couple of more trophies for Victor. Yeah, he, okay. So he was, let me add this real quick. He was about what minus three short game this week. Uh, I have three strokes. I have met minus six. I have met at minus two and a half around oh, yeah, the green yeah, and yeah. minus yeah. three putting. Sorry, minus six. Yes. Um. That's that's not good. And I, I think the flip side of it is this, though. Like, you you can improve that. Like, you can't you can't become the number one ball striker in the world if you don't have the gifts. You can become a mediocre. Like you can be, you can have a mediocre short game. He's finished in the top 10 in seven of his last nine events and he's won three of them and he almost won last week. Like, I think the scary part is if he figures that stuff out, because he's shown it. I mean, he's shown a good short game at times. Mm-hmm. It's just not consistent. The, the the way he played 12 today was just abysmal. I mean, he, he had like, and that was kind of when the tournament was teetering and he has this like straightforward uh, yeah. pitch i mean it wasn't it, it wasn't easy but like he had he had he had an opportunity to get to i think uh nine or ten if he gets up and down for birdie on 12 and he ends up making a bogey and it's just it was it was frustrating because he i think he finished number one in the field from t to green uh he almost certainly did he finished yes he did just ahead of keegan bradley and eric van roy and yeah and that was um you know the shots aside on that short par four uh that was the momentum spot that that's that's the spot where yes the guys at the top were struggling victor was charging if he puts another one on the board there you might have a different outcome and he walks away with the bogey and now it's like the momentum train has stopped at the station well it, it felt like an inflection point in the in the tournament in the final round it really did and to see the way he played it was just it was super it was a bummer because I mean, yeah, at one point he was, uh, I think he played 20 holes in nine under because he, he makes the, he, he made two Eagles on the front nine on Sunday or Saturday and Sunday. What, whenever he finishes his third round or Sunday and Monday, I guess, uh, he made the one on eight and then he plays the front nine again to start the fourth round and he plays it in four under. And then he or he plays it in three under, and then he birdies the first two on the back or something like that. He was like nine under through twenty holes, and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is this is happening. Like Victor Alvin's going to go win this tournament, and then twelve was just and and he kind of bounced around after that. But twelve to me was the was the turning point for him. Yeah, lots of uh, top finishes, lots of victories. He is a staple on top of the leaderboard. Have you ever seen a golfer pick up a another player in their group before? Like like Victor <laughs> did to Kevin Struman. <laughs> no, that was that was really funny. I was thinking, okay, now do Sung Jay. 
who was also in that group. <laughs> Just yeah. lift up everybody in the group. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> Sung Jae might be a little tougher. <laughs> yeah, smart smart to go for streels there. Um, Dustin Johnson, the backdoorist top 10 this yes. week because yes. he <laughs> tied the course record 63 which included one, two, three, four, five birdies and an eagle on his second nine. And his final hole of the day, number nine, uh, he pitched in from 66 yards out. It does not get any backdoor top 10 more than that. Uh, so he actually, I think more impressive than the 63, he gained more strokes putting on Sunday than Cam Smith did. Wow. Okay. So he so he starts on ten. He makes a two yeah. footer, three footer, five, one, 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 eight, one, seventeen on the eighteenth hole. Then it gets crazy. Twenty-three footer on the first hole, forty-two footer on the second, thirteen, three, nine, nine, ten, six, and then he holds out on nine. Not bad. I think he was like five strokes gained putting. Four uh yeah, four point seven, and he didn't even putt on <laughs> On one of those holes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty crazy. And yeah, he he gained uh he probably had the round of the week, right? Eight eight point six strokes gain. That would have uh, I'm just clicking through each round. Seven and a half EVR in round two. Yeah, uh, yeah, rounds of the week. Rounds of the week. Yeah. And he you know, I, I wrote this in my grades column afterwards, but he hasn't. He hadn't really played that well at, at uh, TPC Sawgrass, and he hadn't played that well overall over the yeah. last year or so. I mean, for him, he's still whatever. He's he's fine, but I w- I would like to see him clicking going into Augusta because he's so good at that place. And I just it's just more fun when like DJ's playing Augusta really well. Which, by the way, Cam Smith at Augusta. Uh, okay, so that was the the perfect bow to put on this, and then we'll get to our uh, best bets and one and done and all that stuff. Is the way this always works is we look ahead to the guy who wins a big event for the next major championship. In this case, it's the Masters, and Cam Smith finished T two there in twenty twenty. What did he do in twenty one? T tens. We've got back to back top tens. He was T five. T five in twenty eighteen, I think. There you go. I mean, so okay. So here's what I would say: Cam Smith is not going to be among the five favorites to win Augusta, but when I make my list of like who's most likely to win it, he'll be in the top five or seven. I I I don't know how he couldn't be. I, I. And again, this is this is where like I get a little um, weird, not weirded out, but like this is tricky for me because I look at his numbers and you're like, nah, I, the, yeah, like overall it looks great. From T to green, you're like, nah, it's I don't know, like I don't have a ton of confidence in it. But like, do we just put him in this other category of where it's like, hey, it doesn't really matter because he's that good around the greens and with his putter. Yeah, I think you have to. I think, I mean, when you're a top 10 player in the world and you're kind of a short game specialist, it's a little bit scary. But if you, if we didn't know off the tee approach around the green and putting existed, if we just looked at strokes gain, totally be awesome. Right. Which I know. is, which is, should know. really be all that matters, which yeah. Yeah. And he's played well at Augusta. So I think he's one of the, I think he's, like I legitimately think Cam Smith can win the Masters this year. Um, 
I agree with you. And because there's no reason to not. He's got the three great results in a row. He's got this massive victory here, and he seems to be getting better, which you can't always say about a lot of guys. I think the the trend line for, for Cam Smith is still kind of up and to the right. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, anybody else you wanted to talk about or anything else you wanted to discuss about before we get to the one-and-done stuff? Um, I'm looking through the the leaderboard here i guess we'll i mean we'll talk about john rom when we get down there um jt was a little disappointing from jt 72 72 right after after just that magic every shot that he had in the arsenal 69 three under in just horrid conditions and he was still inside the top 15 on the wrong side of things and just lost ground both days over over the final two rounds that was a little bit disappointing it felt like a three under 64 yeah. on, on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he hit every shot. It was, it was filthy. It was just a ball striking bonanza. And he, he didn't, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I didn't really see much of him today. He wasn't, he wasn't on TV that much cause he wasn't playing very well, but yeah, I thought he was disappointed. What was his overall, uh, he was okay. So he was like a zero putter. He just, he didn't hit the ball as well on the other days. So it's, it's just so hard to recover from that draw too. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the big boys got wiped out by that, which I is, thought, it, you know, it happens. and we talked about that last, last week is like, this is a course or this is a tournament where, it's got a lot of variance. It's got a lot of randomness. And you see guys like Morikawa, Cantlay, Spieth never plays well here. But you see Brooks Kepka shoot 81. There's just – it's just – it's it's a really um, – it's, <laughs> it's not getting easier to predict. Like we'll be talking this time next year. And it'll be like, I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> like, right. We didn't like, learn anything from this year. <laughs> 2022 did not help me figure out like who's going to play well at the players championship in future years. And that makes it fun, I think. Uh, but it just makes it just so extraordinarily difficult to, to predict. Seb Max in the chat says, imagine if Keegan won. That's a major, a WGC, a playoff event, and a player's championship. Big game player. <laughs> and Ryder Cups. Could you imagine? There, he, I, there was a moment be, I thought it was happening. Well, somebody was talking about how if he, if he, won, if he won this week, he could be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I mean, there, there are... Uh, Amazing. Jacob just said that. There are... There are similar resumes that are Hall of Fame guys, which is I Keegan's fine. I don't know if I need him in the Hall of Fame. Let's turn our attention to our bets, our picks, our one and done Anything else. update. Yes, thank you. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. 
Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we're back. All right. Mark's nationality pick of the week. He had Corey Connors, top Canadian. We accurately figured that one out, but he was wrong because Adam <laughs> Hadwin was your top Canadian. He finished wrong. T9. Thank you. Taylor Pendrith, T13. Uh, Corey Connors was the third best Canadian T26. So fine and dandy, but does not cash the bet. Best bets. Kyle, you and I whiff. I had Matt Fitzpatrick top 20 plus 175. You had Adam Scott top 10 plus 450. They were were both on the wrong end, right? Fitzpatrick definitely was. Was Adam Scott? Mm, He was on Sergio's. So no, I don't think so. He opened with a set. Oh, because he opened with a 78 and he made a snowman somewhere. Hold on. I'll find 18, 18. Yeah, he yeah, made a snowman yeah, at 18. Two in the water on 18, I think. It was that not- that is the that is the more standard way to get wiped at Sawgrass, not a three-shot wave differential. <laughs> right. Just hit two in the water somewhere. He was so bad. And I was so confident about him coming into the week. I think he he almost finished last of guys that he was uh I don't know where he was. I don't even I don't even want to see. Did you see? Uh, uh, did did you see Matthew Wolf throw his club in the water on? Yes. So, uh, Sia Najad not only took fifty five hours, but got us a Tom Hoagie first round leader. Won his best bet, Shane Lowry over Matthew Wolf and Lucas Glover plus one ten. Matthew Wolf not playing good golf and gave us the old uh, club flip into the agua. Yeah, not. Uh, uh, Adam Scott finished at four over, so he only missed the cut by two. Um, yeah, I, Matthew Wolf. I, I don't. I don't know what to think. Like, there are times where I'm like, "Oh, he's going to win three majors," and there are other times where I'm like, "He's going to be on the Corn Ferry Tour in three years." Do you think he'll go through a massive swing change? No, no, I don't. I don't think you can. I think you're screwed if you do that. I tend to agree. I just think that when you have a very unique swing and it might not be working, there's going to be a lot of pressure by a lot of people to change it, right? Like if Jim Furyk wasn't a Hall of Famer, uh, people would have been trying to change that swing for a long time, right? It just, it gets it done. If it's not getting it done and it's the most unique swing, that's when you start feeling the pressure. You start hearing the voices from these coaches that say, oh, come on, we'll change this, we'll change that. You'll be great. I just, I, I don't know if he should. He probably shouldn't, but I just know that's got to creep into the back of his head every once in a while. Yeah. I just, I, I think you have to hold on to the fact that you finished top five at two majors, you know, to start your career, you won early on. It's just, I think for him, it's more mental than, than it is physical. I think, I don't know. I'm shocked though. I I covered him and Hovland in college a little bit at Oklahoma state. And I'm not shocked that Hovland's 
better necessarily. I'm shocked at how much better he is. Because in college, those guys were, I mean, Wolf got all the headlines because of the swing and he was like super uh, engaged. Like he, he just, he had a, he had like a kind of an aura about him. But their numbers were like exactly the same. If you look at kind of their, their last year at Oklahoma State, and so I'm just shocked that Victor Hovland's like he could have become the number one player in the world today. And Matthew Wolf is he's been good, but Hovland's just been so much better and so much more consistent. It's probably all mental, honestly. I this is going to sound weird, but I kind of hope so, right? I, I kind of hope that it is just mental and he can get it all sorted out and he's back to firing darts and hitting bombs and winning birdie fests and all that stuff. Yeah. I, and I think, I think that's on the table, but I think it could go the other way too. I mean, professional golf is weird and difficult and you have to be a pretty unique cat to, to thrive in it. And uh, hopefully he figures it out. One and done. Oh boy. So I, I, we, I just, I want to leave this segment. No, no, no. 20 million bucks on the line. Eight selections. We earned a combined $92,400. We got the outcome that we wanted, which was the four guys at the top of the one and done. And the fans all got wiped by Colin Morikawa missing the cut kp i had uh patrick cantlay who missed the cut which was probably one of the arguably worst missed cuts of the week because he had the right side of the draw and he's patrick cantlay and he should go out there and, and play well um but you and sia in the catbird seat with john rom only got forty six thousand two hundred bucks it's disgusting i'm disgusted he made a nine today Yes, which so is I've, his I've, highest score ever. He's never even had an eight on the PGA Tour, but he made a nine. He, I forgot to tell you this. I, I actually said last Sunday that I was going to let my kids pick for me. Oh, no. Who'd they and pick? I, Cam Smith? <laughs> no, I did. They picked John Rahm. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I forgot to say that on Tuesday. So they picked John Rahm, and it sounds like I'm blaming them now. That's actually <laughs> that's who I – that's who I wanted to pick. So I was glad that they picked him. Uh, and so my son would come in every 10 minutes and be like, where's he at? And on Sunday at one point, I think he was like T6 or T7. Yeah, he was charging. And he comes in today and he's like, where's he at? I was like, he's T60. And he was like, he was just in, in seventh. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm with you. I got it. <laughs> I mean, just the worst tournament. I, I mean, I guess I could have picked him for the Fortnite in, in September, and that would have been worse because he missed the cut. But just I, I don't I don't know what I would have done differently. It worked no, out it worked out perfectly. Morikawa misses the cut. All the other clowns pick him, including all you clowns in the chat. <laughs> Good. Stir it up. Good. And Rom just lays an egg on on the final round. Seventy seven in the final just, round, just horrible. So the big winners are really the guys at the top who did not get chased down, although they used Colin Morikawa. Now, quick scheduling update for the week. Obviously, we're off track. It's Monday, uh, so here is what we are looking to do: the DFS show 
will happen on Tuesday. The mega preview pod the for the Valspar will happen on Wednesday. So the fan vote one and done selection for the Valspar will be due Wednesday morning. You got to get it in earlier than that because that's when we're going to announce it all. The link is already in the description. So if you're listening to me talk right now, you can go vote for the one and done for Valspar. Highly suggest that you do that. And then KP, we are back to a normal schedule on Thursday with round by round recaps. So we are just rolling through. No days off. No days off. Let's do it. I'm sure people really care about our uh, content creation complaints. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome! Now it was, a, it was a fun week and a great field next or this week, whatever week we're in. And uh, Masters is in 24 days. Stop 24. 24 days. It was just it was 49, just like a bit ago. I like three days. 25 ago. Well, days ago. <laughs> when, when the when the players started, it was 49 days. Now it's 24 days. Oh, what a weird week! What a weird, weird week. I'm glad they got it in on Monday, and uh, this didn't have to spill over into Tuesday morning. For sure. Yeah, that would have not been. I <laughs> I would have given up on the tournament at that point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll do it. We'll see everyone for the DFS show on Tuesday. Mega preview pod Wednesday. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. That's Kyle Porter. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.